Hey, you guys, welcome to the For Liberty and Justice podcast, where we mobilize a church, wake up the city, and take a stand for liberty and justice. My name is Taylor, and I'm so excited to bring you another part of our foundation series with Josh Moore. Josh, let's talk about today why America is a constitutional republic and what makes it different than a democracy and why this matters. Yeah, absolutely. So we've all seen those videos out there, right, Taylor, where, you know, the the students are being interviewed and on college campuses and they go, hey, who was the first president of the United States? And they go, uh, Bill Clinton. And you're like, oh, boy. And they get asked more questions. Hey, who did we fight in the Revolutionary War or the War for Independence? War for Independence. Um, wasn't that like Australia or China? And you're just your brain is melting. You're going, oh, my goodness gracious. Mm-hmm. What's going on here? Um, the reality is so many people don't know what we are. In fact, we keep hearing this term democracy. When they say this is a democracy, our democracy is under attack. You know, the principles of democracy, blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, Well, so so I'm going to I want to lay something out real quick here. Um, Rarely did the founding fathers use the term democracy in their writings. However, sometimes it was used and it was used by uh, one gentleman in particular, uh, named Alexis, or I think I say Alexis, it may be Alexi, but Alexis de Tocqueville. And uh, he was a French uh, uh, journalist, came over to the United States in the 1830s, began to traverse the United States for several years. And he basically wrote a whole book on what the culture was like, and he called it democracy in America. Mm. And it was, I, I see it as used as a general term, right? We're, we use it when we're talking about um, the majority. That's really what it boils down to. But we're not really a pure democracy. A pure democracy is a form of government uh, by which the mob rules. So you have 50% or more of the people, really it's 51% or more, um, that say, hey, we want it this way. So maybe let's theoretically say that we were able to get an accurate vote from America of 330 million people and say – do you want abortion or not? I know I'm picking a hot topic, but it's a it's a good topic to talk about because um, you know it's, we just came out of that and we've yeah. dealt with dealt with it for the last fifty years. And let's say fifty one percent of people in America said, "Yeah, we like abortion. We want to keep abortion." Well, then abortion would, by the principles of democracy, become the law of the land. Now let's take it even further. Uh, let's say you get to steal from whoever you want, anybody you want. You get to steal from him. Uh, do you want to make that the law of land? Let's say 51% said, yeah, we can steal from whoever we want. Well, the other 50% say, or 49% say, well, no, we don't want it. So now guess what? The 51% get to come together and say, we're going to steal from the other 49%. Mm-hmm. There's a violation of natural law there. There's a violation of liberties there. And that's why we don't allow a democracy to run rampant and do whatever, allow people to do whatever they want. We are a constitutional Republic. That means we are a, we really un- operate under what's known as federalism. And I know that maybe people, if you're listening or watching, you might say, whoa, 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 federalism. I think I've heard that word before, but I don't like the word federal because I associate it with federal government and the federal government to me is way too big, way too overreaching. Well, that's true. Um, but you have to understand federalism is a good word. Federalism, all it means is that we are a nation that are broken down. We have a general government and then we have state governments and then we have municipalities. Mm -hmm. So it goes from uh, general to local level, right? 
That's federalism and, and more specifically is known as dual federalism, right? Where we have these local levels and municipalities. But when we're, when we're talking about what are we as a nation, we operate under a constitution, which we'll be getting into in, uh, in a later episode. But we, we operate under a constitution that recognizes our natural born God-given rights. Mm -hmm. And if you were listening to the other, if anybody, for anybody who's watching or listening to previous episodes, we did talk about law. We talked about what our rights and all. Well, in our constitutional republic, we have the first 10 amendments, which are known as the Bill of Rights. And those Bill of Rights ex are an expression or a recognition of our natural God-given rights, our civil rights, like uh, the right to a fair and speedy trial, mm -hmm. right? We have the right to self-defense through the Second Amendment. We have the right to face our accuser, so on and so forth. By the way, these are also biblical rights. These are all found in the Bible. So that in a crux is the, is really how we operate as a, as a government. Um, but Taylor, you know as well as I do, if, if we were running as a democracy, we would be in really bad shape right now. Yeah. So my question would be, firstly, why does the name matter if the government's currently functioning properly? It's not, but that's one of the arguments. Why does it matter? Yeah. You kind of already covered it, but let's dive. We need to hammer this in. Yeah. I, I think people, when they, when they, if you take a step back, you go, well, that's just semantics. Like, why does it matter whether we call it a democracy or a, a, repub a constitutional republic as long as we're getting what we uh, desire and need out of out of the government, right? Services and so on and so forth, the protection uh, known as the general welfare and the common good in the preamble. What if we're, as long as we're getting that? Well, first of all, just as you pointed out, Taylor, we're not getting that. That's terrible. It's unfortunate we're not getting those things. Um, but it also does matter because similar to the gender thing, right? If you grow up as a kid and mom and dad are both called dad, let's just assume it, like a boy grows up in, in the family and he goes, oh, that's my dad. That's also my dad, even though both dads have – even though the, the mom in the family is being called dad and has all the parts of a mom, right? They go, that matters because we're, we're confusing the child. There's no distinction between two things and distinction between things is necessary to operate anywhere in life. So we have to know that there is a difference between a democracy and a constitutional republic and understanding that democracies for pretty much all of human history have failed. Mm -hmm. They just – they don't work. They they barely work in a small setting, let alone a national well, setting. Well, and, and I think to some extent you're seeing it currently play out in Gaza. Yeah. Right? A, a, they had a democratic vote that elected Hamas, Hamas uh, to rule. And ever since then, the, it was a majority rule, and then they took over, and it became an essentially dictatorship. Yep. Right? That That's not a constitutional republic at all. That is just oh. mob rule put that in, and that's what you're stuck with. Yeah. And that's the, that's the fear. I mean, you've already mentioned it before, mob rule. So I think that leads naturally into our next question. Why does the Electoral College matter in a republic? Yeah, Absolutely. So I, I think this is a really funny one because I, I used to joke with people and I still do. I'll let them know. Um, it's kind of like coming from an AOC perspective or as we sort of joke about it or even, uh, you know, just a regular college level perspective where you go. So like the electoral college is like uh, accredited, I think. And I got a master's degree out of the electoral college. That's where I graduated. 
<laughs> the electoral college is not a physical college. It is not a uh, it's not a place. It's a system, right? It's a system by which we elect the president of the United States, where you have. The states that all have their own ways of voting and they bring it together, right? And it prevents the majority across the United States from electing one from, say, all the uh, California electing it for the rest of the United States or Texas electing the president of the United States. The Electoral College breaks it down proportionally throughout each state and gives every state some representation in uh, in how the uh, president is elected. So – you like New Hampshire, where I used to live and uh, served as a state representative, you would have two delegates, right? So it operates similarly like we have the U.S. Congress, where you have proportional delegates that go to the uh, national convention for the GOP, for example, right? Mm-hmm. And then they we elect our, um, our uh, nominee for the presidential election. And that's the way it works. And then it comes together. And then you have the general election where you have the Democrat versus Republican. And the same thing occurs where you have delegates from the states based on who won the state and and how many, right? And then those delegates are then sent to the national convention for the general election to decide who's going to be president, the Republican or the Democrat. Mm -hmm. And so that's how it works. Um, Because again, if it didn't, you know, you'd have all the big states with the biggest populations and centralized uh, uh, communities, Mm -hmm. cities and all deciding who's going to be president. Yeah. And that doesn't work. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. I don't want, I don't want LA and Houston and New York city to decide what's best for us. That's exactly right. And you know, I always say one thing too about that. Um, We, we, uh, we end up having, um, trying to get my thoughts together here, the house and the Senate, right? So the electoral, the electoral college works similarly Not exactly, but similarly to the House and the Senate in that way. So I want to talk a little bit about um, what federalism is when it comes to the House and Senate, because this is really important. People need to know this. I see this on Twitter a lot. People talk about, well, you know, go to Congress and do your job. Do your job, Congress, blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to necessarily spend time on talking about why they don't do their job right now, although I could – I wrote that in my book – and I want to talk about a specific aspect of federalism that people may not know. Uh, and that is you have the House and the Senate in, in the United States Congress, right? And I am a full – I'm, I'm going to say this because this could be a little bit controversial, but I like controversy. I'm a full proponent of repealing the 17th Amendment. And the 17th Amendment was passed in 1913, and it required the direct election of senators, Prior to 1913, according to the intent of the framers of the Constitution, senators – this is U.S. senators, right? Not state. U.S. senators would be appointed by the state legislatures. So I in New Hampshire when I was uh, in office would have been a part of appointing a U.S. senator on behalf of the state of New Hampshire. Nate Schatzline, founder for Liberty and Justice and state representative of Texas, right? He would then be – part of the legislator right now who would be appointing a U.S. senator like Ted Cruz and John Cornyn to the U.S. Senate instead of seeing you and I seeing it on our ballots and voting on them every six years. Now, people might say, wait, so you support the state legislator? Isn't that removing the power from the people? Yes. In a way, in a sense, it is. But there's a good reason why. And it has nothing to do with taking away power from the people. We operate, again, in a federalist system. Therefore, the Congress is uh, based on proportional representation. The Senate is based on um, 
equal representation. So the the U.S. Congress represents the the people, right? That's why you have a large house and a different number of representatives in each state. And then you have the Senate. There's only two senators, no matter how big of a population you have in your state. So theoretically, if no none of the Congress U.S. House existed, you would have equal representation in the Senate. The U.S. Congress represents the people. The U.S. Senate represents the states and state sovereignty. But because now it's a direct election of the senators, we're electing both House and Congress. I mean, I should say Senate and the House. And so there's no more federalism. We're, we're destroying federalism by doing that. And we have been for hundred over 100 years. Wow. I think that's a good ending point. Yep. That was great. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of the Foundation Series. Uh, my name is Taylor. This is the For Liberty and Justice podcast where we mobilize a church, wake up the city, and take a stand for liberty and justice. <laughs>